podcast this is your host josh michaels ryan is not here today as you may recall we were supposed to be on a summer vacation summer hiatus um, but if you've been paying attention to the news you see that uh, the world had other plans and we're here to talk today about everything happening on mount Achaea. now rather than how we explain to you what's going on i feel i would be doing an immense disservice to you dear listeners because i am not capable of articulating everything nor do i want to and that's why i am thrilled uh, and honored to be joined by my guests today we are joined by dear friend and kumu meaning teacher dr hans keone wilhelm kumu hans is president of the faculty association at kamehameha schools where he teaches hawaiian language culture and history in addition to a doctorate in educational leadership he also learned a law degree with a certificate in Native Hawaiian law from the University of Hawaii at Manoa, go Bows. And Kumu Hans, you have brought two of your former students. Aloha mai kako. Um, I'm Tiana Kuni. I Hi, was, Tiana. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was Kumu Hans um, TA when I went to Kamehameha. Um, after Kamehameha, I went to University of Hawaii at Manoa. Chief. So I have a bachelor's degree in Hawaiian studies and Hawaiian language. And then... A master's in education administration. I did teach for a little while um, hula and Hawaiian language and then now I work in administration. Right on. And I've danced hula for a long time. Awesome. Competitively. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Aloha. My name is Max Mukai. Um, hey my Max. family's from Kuli'o'o but uh, we live in Waialai. I went to Kamehameha too and Kumuhans was my teacher for Olelo Hawaii uh, Makahiki Elua. And it was from that class he uh, was able to take me along with him to various uh, access huakai to Kaho'olawe, where I learned my Aloha Aina training began. <laughs> and it was, uh, learned so many things from those experiences and uh, yeah, mahalo. Um, but I moved on to, I went to Pepperdine in Malibu, California, and I earned a Bachelor of Science in Business Admin and a Master's of Business Administration there. And I finished there in 2015 and then moved home and have worked in various capacities since then. Mahalo for having me. So also, uh, I, forgot to, I forgot to mention up top, folks, we want to stress, uh, Kumu Hans is strictly here in his personal capacity, not in his professional capacity. Actually, everybody, everybody here is in their personal capacity. So please direct, please direct your complaints, your angry letters, your hate mail to at Blue Hawaii Pod at twitter.com. 
Um, before we jump in, you know, uh, and rather than have you guys do a play-by-play explanation of how we ended up here, uh, listeners, we're gonna I'm gonna point you just really quickly to a few articles that you should read for background. Uh, the first piece in Vox.com by Trisha Keholani Watson Sprout. She wrote. Why Native Hawaiians are fighting to protect Mauna Kea from a telescope. The mountain is among the most sacred sites in Hawaiian cosmology. Another great article, vice.com. The battle over a telescope on Hawaii's sacred mountain is just beginning. Native Hawaiians are protesting the construction of a 30-meter telescope on Mauna Kea. Where do we go from here? By Sarah Emerson and Becky Ferreira. Uh, The Intercept by Ada Chavez. The piece is called Activist Camp at Hawaii's Mauna Kea. Face government opposition as they attempt to block telescope construction on sacred land. And... Last but not least, Star Advertiser Editorial Telescope Protests Go Back to 1964. So again, uh, Kumu Hans, rather than a- ask you to recap play-by-play how we got here and what do we do, I want to focus on feelings as well as facts. You know, let's back up and set the tone. 2015, you wrote social media Facebook. No. How did you get on my Facebook? Oh, we're friends with, we're Facebook friends. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wrote, when people ask me about Mauna Kea, I basically ask them this question. What is sacred to them? Family, kids, faith, their marriage, their flag, whichever one they fly, their homeland. Then I ask them to think about what that means. And when someone messes with that, for me, sacred means not for sale, even for $1.4 billion, something that cannot be traded or negotiated for. Spiritual, something that a dollar value cannot be attached to. When people reflect on what is sacred in their life and what is important in their life, the Mauna Kea question is a simple one to answer. Tell us more. Yeah. That's exactly. That's, it. that's, that's it. exactly. All right. Thank you. Well, no, Thank you very much. <laughs> this has been a great interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's that's when people ask me about Mauna Kea, like you could, the the real question is we have to ask is what is what is sacred to them, and if a lot of people they can't even answer that question, then most times I don't really spend too much time after that explaining it to them because for pe- for some people nothing nothing is sacred. Some people will say, oh. The flag, you know? I don't like when people burn the flag. I don't like when people don't fly the flag correctly. And it it, it makes them upset and they want to knock people out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's now you're on the trail. Don't like, you dare kneel for the national anthem. Yeah, it's it's now you're on the trail of how Hawaiian feels when people are messing with a sacred place. It's uh it's hard to explain spirituality to someone who doesn't think that anything is sacred and that everything is for sale and so for people i think they need to think about you know what is sacred to them like certainly we wouldn't go to i i told max the other week maybe i should go up to punch bowl and set up a telescope in my malo um and for those of you guys ever been to the national cemetery you're not allowed to run in the national cemetery you're not allowed to like play music loud in the national cemetery you yeah there's a rare clear protocol when you enter the national cemetery and there's this guy on a golf he looks like the scariest guy you've ever seen and he'll like come out of nowhere and he'll like chase you down and say hey you're not allowed to run here walk for our hey, uh, for our listeners on down. the mainland uh, yeah. up at up at punchbowl or puovina is the puovina, yeah. there is a um, the national memorial cemetery of the pacific basically right. arlington in, right. Honol- in honolulu for uh veterans of world war ii in the pacific Korea and, right. sorry, and the burial place, place of a lot of Hawaiians and Polynesians. Um, we're the first people to go into battle. We're the first ones when Kamehameha had its ROTC program. Like um, we're the first guys that were fighting in Vietnam. 
So there are a lot of Hawaiians buried at the National Memorial. But if I went up there with my malo and put up my telescope, you know, yes. you know, or whatever, you know, people would, they would arrest me. They would shame me. I remember there was a few years back that they had a graffiti on top of some of the, the walls with the names of the soldiers. And they had the FBI involved, the CIA. At the same time, they were building a Walmart and they had dug up like 30 something sets of ancestral remains. And nobody even batted an eye about that kind of stuff and yeah. it just you kind of feel like a big reason for some of the the anger in this kind of double standard that we have where where we think something is sacred and shouldn't be messed with yeah it has the fullest protection of and enforcement of the law when the hawaiian says that it should have the fullest protection and enforcement of the law then that doesn't give any there's no weight given to that you know but that has been going back in time you know since the overthrow mm -hmm. it's kind of come to a, a place right now where we have nowhere left to go we've already been kicked out uh we've been incarcerated we and sent to arizona yeah. not, even, not even incarcerated in your homeland right i mean forced sent to the continent yeah they've taken our control of our government they've taken all the systems of power they control the educational system they control the curriculum in the schools they've taken pretty much everything from us except for our culture our identity our history our language and these are the things that we we can we still hold yeah. and these are the last battlegrounds yeah. that are left for us to defend and Mauna Kea is the pinnacle of that it is our holy mountain it is our Jerusalem it is our Mecca it is a guardian of the Paiaina. Um, I remember a few months ago, there was a hurricane that kind of came through and everybody was just like, oh my God, in the history of re weather recordings, we, we don't know what would happen if a storm were to hit Mauna Kea of this size, what would happen? And so all the other storms had kind of gone north and south and suddenly this big storm came and everybody was like, oh my God, look, it's gonna happen. And the storm hit Mauna Kea and it cut the storm in two pieces in half. This huge like category four storm, it cut it in half and it sent half the storm going north and half the storm going south. And then it kind of dawned on me is like, man, that's what really being a guardian is because yeah. we didn't receive the brunt of that storm. We thought it was just gonna pass direct hit right through the island chain and Mauna Kea just cut it in half. And so I think the people who got the worst of it was Puna. Puna is uh, usually the ones who get the worst of every natural disaster, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So then Puna got flooded, um, all the Abizias fell down, and then Tutubele had to clean house after that. But when people, I mean, nobody went up to Mauna Kea and gave Ho'okupu for that. Like nobody thanked Mauna Kea. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, mahalo for, stopping yeah. a category four yeah. hurricane yeah you know like yeah uh but like i was giving thanks on that day and i'm sure a lot of other hawaiians are giving thanks on that day but yeah so it's uh it's it's we're at a to me for our people and for what i try to impress upon the students is that if mauna kea is kind of like their kaho'olawe of this generation and it's also my kaho'olawe I was only in high school when Kaho'olawe, where the bombing stopped in 91. This is, uh, sorry listeners, in 1991, H.W. Uh, Bush ended naval bombardment of Kaho'olawe, which has been happening since World War II, right? It had been used right. as, as target practice training. 
Uh, and in the late 70s, famously, um, activists occupied right. the island to pro in protest. Right, right. So that was the whole kind of renaissance period, you yeah. know, 76, 77. You have George Helm, Kimo Mitchell, you know, Walter Ritty, uh, Dr. Emmett Aluli, all these, all these great um, heroes, you know, that kind of like came to a point where we don't know much about what's going on, but we do know that bombing this island, this sacred island is wrong, <laughs> you know? But then after what came out of that was, hey, I need to start learning about language and I start to learn about culture. And then yeah. we have the establishment of our Hawaiian immersion schools. Um, we put Hawaiian language back into the constitution in 78, the office of Hawaiian affairs is created. So there's been a lot of, there was a lot of progress that was born out of the Kaho'olawe struggle. So I kind of lived in the generation that was kind of like Renaissance and kind of tailing into the end of the Renaissance. And I say tailing because now I think Hawaiian culture is everywhere. Yeah. I see it in fashion, I see it on TV, I see it in how they name their kids. I see it in our students. Kim Kardashian, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, she's naming makeup line, yeah. Pelly's anger or something. <laughs> She came out with a makeup line and it has eyeshadow called Pele's Smoker, Pele's Anger or something. Very tasteful. Yeah, it's 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 everywhere. So, but but the struggle now yeah. has now turned from Kaholave to Mauna Kea and rightfully so. You touched on this a little bit talking about the religion element. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't build this telescope in Jerusalem. You wouldn't build it in Mecca. No. Um, one of the ways this is framed by supporters of the TMT, particularly folks outside Hawaii is this boils down to science versus religion. Science, science is, you know, progress forward. This religion is, you know, we don't understand it exactly to your point because it's not something that the, the American legal system recognizes as religion in the same way that Punchbowl Memorial Cemetery is recognized, for example, the, the chapel there. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't get those same protections. But what we're actually seeing, and this is what a lot of folks are trying to make the point, it's not science versus religion. It's really culture versus business and big business here in the telescope and we were just talking the other day since you know since the late 60s they've been putting telescopes on Mauna Kea each time they say the the benefit that the native Hawaiians are going to get that the local community is going to get the astronomers is going to be tremendous Hawaii's going to be a world leader keeps happening the profits and benefits are not necessarily trickling down to anybody locally aside from the few who maybe get into the elite astronomy programs. How do you how do you see the way forward in terms of finding that harmony between culture and business and development? Well, when they first uh, approved the telescope in 2009, I was there in 1999, and we were there for Mao's birthday. Mal Mal Pia Pia uh, he was a master navigator. He's the one who, the, the, from Sadawal in Micronesia, who taught everybody on the Hokulea how to, how to do basically the ancient art you know, Pacific art navigating by the by the stars, right? Right, right. So he it was his birthday, so we were like celebrating his birthday, and we had all the canoes there. That's when uh, Captain Clay Bertelman was still alive, Shorty, um, Nainoa Thompson, like Polynesian Voice yeah, Society, Polynesian Voice Society in the house, and uh, we were uh, there not just to celebrate Mao's birthday, but to celebrate Hawaiian science, right? And so part of that trip, we had to, we were in Hilo and we all went up to Keck, which was the K-E-C-K, <laughs> which is the telescope of telescopes. When we were in there in 99, they said this is the most 
advanced telescope, the telescope of telescopes. You know, you're not going to need another telescope yeah. after this telescope. I mean, it, it's like the same kind of story, right? It's like... Deja vu. Yeah, and then we're sitting there inside Keck, and Captain Clay Bertelman looked up, and he's like, can I take a look through this telescope? And the head scientist was there, and he said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you have to pay rent to look through this telescope. So to point this telescope in any direction you want to look at, will cost you i can't remember if it was either ten thousand dollars for 15 minutes or fifteen thousand dollars for 10 minutes either way not good either way we didn't have the money yeah. and then they oh can you just venmo me or <laughs> and then we, we we and then uh clay was like how can you guys charge that kind of rent and pay us a dollar yeah, yeah he's so like this this telescope sits on hawaiian land the state only collects a dollar a year yeah they collect a dollar rent from these guys and then clay bertelman says well maui is here He's the father of traditional navigation in Hawaii. Like, why can't he look through the telescope? And Mao was just quiet, you know, he was just listening. And so they're like, no, we're sorry. Um, these are how the telescopes make money, right? So they build these telescopes, and then when the scientists come in, they have to pay rent, yeah, uh, uh, rental time to point this thing in any direction that they, they want to. So they build that into their research proposals and say, well, you know, we're going to be th up there for three months, you know, every night, $30,000 a night or whatever the rent is. And it's all built into the science. So it's a very, it's a business. The, the astronomy business is, is business. They didn't get that $1.4 billion. No. Like that's not know. a charity grant. Like yeah. we love science that much. Yeah. It's like the investors yeah. will hope to see a return. Yeah. They will hope to see a return. Yeah. And that's at that moment when I heard that Mao couldn't look through the telescope, then I thought this really isn't for us. And yeah. right when he said that we all walked out and yeah. we went to our Ahu and we put our whole kupu. And then 2009, they came out with the, the TMT proposal. And we're talking about a telescope that is going to be taller than Aloha stadium, you know? And how do you get a telescope that big to be able to to withstand, you know, 100 mile per hour winds or a storm that yeah. hits the island? Like you got to drill deep into the mountain. You got to drill deep to hold it down because it has to withstand that kind of weather. Um, and if you look online, you can see pictures of when they built some of these other monster telescopes. And Mauna Kea, for those of you guys who don't know, is kind of like it sits on a main aquifer of Hawaii Island. So a lot of the springs, um, if you've been to like cold ponds or if you've been to their springs in YPO, they're all fed by this aquifer. And the, the telescope is a dirty business in itself. Like if you think of a car, it needs cooling. It needs, it runs on fuel, fossil fuel. It has, they use mercury to clean their lenses. They've had spills, chemical spills up there. This is not a, a it's not organic, let's just say. Yeah, yeah. it's they, the telescope people come out like it's some kind of clean business, you know? Yeah. And, and when you hear the guys saying, hey, we need to get up there <laughs> to, to get to the telescopes and the protectors are stopping them. No, we need to let them up there because these things are are dirty machines and they need to be maintained or there could be accidents yeah. but people think ah oh, it's just where you walk in the door and you open up the thing yeah. and you look into the universe and it's it's a lot more complex than that but that's because it's not something that the public has had access to i mean they won't even let tutu man look inside the telescope you know what i mean so why should they let tiana or george 
you know, see like the business itself. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know, especially uh, anybody see Chernobyl on HBO? Yep. Don't trust any technology, you know. <laughs> yeah. So shifting, shifting, you know, away from um, the debate and talking about what's happening on the Mauna right now. You've not been up there in this current iteration um, no. with the Pu'uhonua, no. um, but you've been up there previously. Tiana, you just came back. Max, you're heading up there tomorrow. Would you mind talking, telling me a little bit about Tiana, what you saw and Max? Wait, I'm sorry. Max, or, are we going by Max or George? His Max, name is George. Max George, Max, George, George, Max. His middle name is Max. And okay. We call him Max, except for Kalahans calls him George. Got it. Peely bundles. <laughs> okay, so so tell tell us tell us about the experience. Okay, so I went up on. So I know um, with the news media right now, they're they're counting day one as Monday, I believe. The first day. The when first day. W- uh, yeah, f- yeah, yeah, the fifteenth. But if you talk to Kahokahi guys like the Kiai, they actually yeah. count from Saturday when they actually started because they had um, protocol and established the Puhonua from over the weekend. So there's a slight discrepancy yeah. um, in that regard. But for like media wise, yeah. I went up on the second day. Okay. For our for our mainland listeners, would you mind explaining a little bit about what the Puhonua is and how that protocol works? Sure. So where, okay, so there's like the main road saddle road that goes between Hilo to Kona so the two sides of Hawaii Island mm-hmm. and from that road there's the Mauna Kea access road so that's the main street or main road I should say um, to go up and access any of the telescopes across directly across the street of that mm-hmm. um, they've set up this Puhonua which is a place of refuge basically um, that's kind of the like safe space mm-hmm. um, so currently the way that they're utilizing that area is that's where all of our media tent is. It's where our food tent is. It's where all the porta potty restrooms are. So it's the place you can go really for your rest. And yeah, it's your rest area. It's a safe space. This is where the camp, the main right. camp is. So as soon as you go across onto Monica Access Road, that's where the blockade is. Mm-hmm. And so even when there's... Um, word or threat of police or anybody coming they will they will escort all of the kids especially all of the keiki across to the puhonua so the governor has he he has said that puhonua is like the safe area and they're not going to really touch anybody that's on that side after he did slander a little bit yeah uh, yeah after he said said not great things that it's falling apart yeah or everybody's on drugs which side comment how does he even know? He doesn't even know how Puhono is supposed to function. Like, that's not his culture. He doesn't, yeah. he's, he should have no say in how it's run. But, you know, side comment. Um, this this podcast is basically nothing but a series of side yeah. comments. So that's totally okay. <laughs> but yeah, so he he has said that that's a safe area. And so that's why anytime anything that's happening, the kia'i, the protectors will make sure we like they're very good at making announcements and communicating mm-hmm. to everyone even when there's thousands of people there yeah to make sure like this is going to happen we've got word something is coming or whatnot to make sure all the kids get on that side um there are people to watch them and mm-hmm. they stay there sometimes the wahine the women will stay on that side with them you know whatever it is but that's that's really like base camp and then as soon as you cross, go across Saddle Road onto the actual Mauna Kea access road is where the blockade 
really is and where um, if you see any of the social media posts like on Facebook or Instagram um, of those like protocols. So they've been doing I think it's three times a day morning, noon and in the evening where they'll do a series of chants and hula. So that's taking place on the access road in the actual like in the blockade. Um, so I went up on Tuesday, which was the day after it was the day in between. So the day after the seven people chained themselves mm. to the category and then the day before the Kupuna got arrested. Um, so the day that I went, there was a lot of people, but it's definitely gained a huge momentum yeah. um, just in this past last weekend and this week. The Rock. Yeah, The yeah. Rock was there, which was awesome. I mean, it. I, just to that comment, it's cool that it's cool. It's it's fantastic that there are people of influence who are bringing awareness to this issue. Yeah. But at the same time, it is the it's like the kupa of this aina. It's the people from here. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to be Hawaiian, but to be of this place and experience this place, like we are, yeah, the kama aina of this land. That it's our responsibility to do what is necessary. You know, I totally mahalo the fact that it is getting such attention like just to kind of go over a little bit backtrack of what kumahans was saying about his facebook comment about asking people what is sacred on the view Whoopi yeah. goldberg brought up a very similar question and sh her question was whose responsibility is it to determine what is sacred yeah who are you to say that you know if this group of people thinks that this is sacred and another group comes in you cannot you cannot deny yeah. what that group thinks or just say oh get over it yeah like, you know yeah. and so she i mean like you were saying about punchbowl she gave the example of arlington she said if somebody wanted to come in and build something in arlington everyone would flip out yeah you know because that's just because that area is more commonly thought of as sacred yeah. across the across america in the american yeah, western world lens view. Yeah. yeah but to indigenous people in, and, you know, they touched upon the Native Americans, everything. But like in Hawaii specifically, we revere this this mountain and this place in the exact same way, yeah. you know. And so who are you as outsiders to come in and dictate what is sacred and what is not sacred? But yeah, so my trip there on Tuesday, it was a really, really mellow day. Like um, if anybody's seen it, seen up there recently, it's it's gotten exponentially more organized mm -hmm. as as we go on which is awesome with um Pu'uhulu Hulu university yeah <laughs> it's amazing like live stream i classes. think it's awesome yeah, yeah. in the so, athenian style like the athenian like you know one one kumu takes like a bunch of students right. they just sit around and they talk story so they actually have they post a schedule every day of what classes are offered and they're like hour-long segments and you can pick there's multiple classes yeah. to pick from and i think that that's yeah the greatest minds in like Hawaiian intellectual minds are up there and yeah. people disregard native Ike, indigenous Ike, but it's so powerful and it's so amazing. Yeah. It's when those Kupuna got arrested, like you're looking at them and they're like the who's who of Kupuna up yeah. there, you know, um, some of my kum, all my Kuma were up there. John Osorio was up there. Antipua was up there. Walter Reedy, his wife. And every day, like more, it's like the who's who of the Kupuna up there. Like people that you can never even get an audience with, you know, and they're, they're all there 
sitting and talking and it's just awesome that people who are visiting now they get to see them because uh, once they're gone they're gone you know i've already seen like i've mentioned earlier you know mao and clay you know so it's it's also just a good time to to reconnect with our kupuna now um, before we lose them in this critical time oh shout out to um <laughs> my former uh, boss, Trustee Hulu Lindsay of the Office of Hawaiian Affairs. She took a hard stand. Um, you know, she's she's a woman of action. So yeah. she she got the call. She was there, and I mean, Oha Oha Oha's an org has been a strong strong you know advocate for the Mauna. Of course, they've had lots of community pressure to get them going, mm-hmm. but you know, Trustee Hulu really went over the top. Yeah, with not, that. So not many elected officials elected leaders are willing yeah. to get arrested to put themselves she, in that position and she totally didn't have to do it yeah i mean oha was on its way but you know she just sealed the deal as far as i was concerned um you know, i'm real proud of her for doing that but yeah i mean i'm so excited to go and take a bunch of classes tomorrow yeah. and then to talk more about pu'u honua like what is the what is that right yeah. it came from in the old tapu system we had if you broke anything, like if you broke any rule, whether it was small, like you ate a food you weren't supposed to eat mm-hmm. or you killed somebody, the penalty for both is death, right? So what, how do you like live in that type of a society? Yeah. Uh, where's the balance to that, you know? Um, and so what they did was they created these pu'u honua or these places of refuge that if you were to go to that place and make it there without the so-called authorities coming to get you, yeah. you're, you're whatever whatever you did wrong, whatever yeah. couple you broke would be forgiven uh, because you amnesty sort of, yeah. So you're granted amnesty. And that is totally a reflection of Pono, I think in our society. So Pono is the idea of righteousness, right? Yeah. What is right? Um, but it's also to my understanding, this balance. Mm-hmm. And so everything has been working the way it has. So like corporal, you know, punishment of death for eating a food you weren't supposed to eat at the wrong time of the year. Seems extreme, but they were put in place for a reason. Because if you did eat that food, that meant, oh, that fish was um, spawning. And if you ate them, that means death for everybody else, yeah. right? So, and these are, these are you know, universally applicable yes, guidelines. Like, yes. it's not like, hey, yeah. And then it's Sorry, Max, you cannot eat fish. Everybody else can eat yeah. this fish. You can't. Like, yeah. it's everybody knows. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a reflection of what we value. Again, aloha aina, right? Yeah. You know, there's an extreme, like levels of what we view as important for us to sustain ourselves right how would you how would you translate aloha aina and what does it mean to you if you don't understand aloha aina yeah this is you need to do your homework this is for (laughs) (laughs) audience that means you sorry i was trying to i was trying to (laughs) it is those words were uttered by george jarrett helm the leader of the protect koho alave initiative and that was his and that really leads into everything which and that and his words still should ring true and clear in all of our minds especially now when a lot of people up there and here haven't done their homework but they're you know they're on their way to getting there and hopefully rising up in that sense because it's not just raising your voice it's actually you have to translate in that to you know actionable resistance you know it can't just be a facebook post yeah a picture with lots of likes it's like did you even submit testimony did you you know and so that is for me this whole movement whether whether it's built or not 
it needs I, I i ran my rant on facebook is clear it's like this has to be our people's final lesson when it comes to not participating in the civic um or just not being civic you know yeah. engagement and we always are like looking at each other like oh how do we get to this point or yeah. why why are the construction you know why are they here now at this point well it's because we weren't we weren't fully engaged in this capacity mm. from the beginning. I mean, mm. there were the heroes that were there, you know, in their roles testifying, but maybe there was one or two of them kind, but not a thousand. No. And, no. Um, you know, and I hear it all the time from even young Hawaiians who refuse to vote. I'm like, I just cannot sympathize yeah. when we are at this point of yeah. complete, you know, like backs against the wall. Subjugation. I, yeah. I always like to think like it's only we only have ourselves to blame at this point because there have been so many lessons along the way. We this has to be the call to action. Our final, you know, we always think this is the final fight. We have so much more to do after yeah. this is over. It, it's a, it's a there's a there's a great in, in Hebrew tradition. There's a there's a quote. You are not obligated to complete the work, but you're not free to desist from it. And I think that's it's going to be ongoing forever. And I'm glad actually you raised this point because you know anecdotally you do hear a lot about, especially particularly among Hawaiians who who reject uh, state sovereignty, American sovereignty. They say they they refuse to participate in the process. Yes. Now and then there are some who who reject reject their sovereignty and, and desire their own sovereignty, but still participate because you know if you're not. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu, as the yep. cliche goes. Nice. How do you how do you like that. how do you strike that balance, and how do you encourage more people to participate? Because exactly like you're saying, like if you if you don't like the government, if you don't like the way the government is treating you, why not work to change the government? So I'll go first. This is a result of our trauma, right? Yeah. The lack of participation and the refusal to participate in in our minds is the only way that we're winning, right? Yeah. Against, fake state, fake state, forget like, it. You know, yeah. winning against like. Our ancestors didn't participate in this when wrong. They did. Yeah. Um, they were fully engaged in the American, you know, overthrow and they did everything they could to stop it. Yeah. They played the game that the Americans were trying to impose on us with through the Kuei petitions. It's clear. Lili Kalani, she played the game as best she could. Yeah. She spent years going to Washington, DC after um, the annexation of nineteen, you know, eighteen ninety five and all that stuff. She spent the rest of her life trying to advocate for her um, kingdom. And so it's like, oh, now, like, we we refuse, and that's our act of aloha aina, is to refuse to participate in the state. But w- we all think that our, you know, lack of good education systems and opportunities and, you know, the the reason for our high incarceration rates, poverty, and all that stuff is because of the overthrow, right? And that is true. Right. But everything that is in place now, we can gain control the lack of control over our lands. Who controls the land? It's the state of Hawaii. Is there anything that is separating me and the state of Hawaii and being in those positions of power? There's nothing. Nope. And everyone's like, oh, well, the game is rigged against us. If our people rose up and like really showed, you know, really showed Onipa, you yep. know, it's one thing to be Onipa. Then there's another thing to move forward. Like we can't be steadfast and stuck here, you know, in this spot. We have to move forward. And so, you know, gaining control of our lands again, making sure that our lands are protected, all these things can be accomplished within the current system that unfortunately we are, you know, uh, oppressed by because right. it doesn't mean it's the Hawaiian kingdom. So that's my huge rant about that. Civic engagement, Ohana. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for that rant on civic engagement. I, I look at it a little different way. I just think that 
I think people are engaged. They're just engaged in different things. Um, like I've seen posts where people have, you know, caterers have ca brought food. You know, people have shown up and donated water. People have donated water, toilet paper. Um, they've come up there and um, just shown like the rock did the other day where he actually showed up um, at the Mauna unannounced. And I think everybody who cares can find a path to support the protectors up there. And even if they have chosen not to vote or participate in American government systems, they can still lend their voice. This The other day, I think it was this morning, I saw a post from Utah and they're in Utah. And there were like 400 people saying, you know, we support the we support the Mauna. And I saw um, South Dakota, the Native Americans, and the the Maori people. Yeah. I saw Tonga was there. Yeah, um, the solidarity on uh, yeah. Puerto Rico too. It's very interesting. The right. we're both kind of tied by this uh, 1898 colonial moment in right. U.S. history that that Hawaii and Puerto Rico are experiencing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they're not Americans, according to Donald Trump. Right. Oi. They're not even Americans. Yeah. I mean, I so all I'm saying to you is like, <laughs> all I'm saying um, is we all like we all can in our own ways throw our our support into this. What that's why they call it a movement because we're all moving together with a common goal to stop TMT. And whether that be up on the Mauna or doing what we're doing now, which is trying to to educate people about the issue because we can't be there at this moment in time or just as simple as bringing food for the people who are hungry or a blanket for someone who's cold you know like those are the the little things that make movements happen you know and going back to you know the telescope again it's like martin luther king was saying that when the race for technology and he was talking about gadgets which is interesting too is like everybody's paying attention to their gadgets man yeah. Well, I look at the gadgets we have today, our phones and everything, you know. But he was saying, you know, when our technology outpaces our morality, you know, we're going to have guided missiles and misguided men. And that's that's basically where we're at right now. We have they're telling us that this telescope is going to be 12 times more powerful than Hubble. And Hubble is floating in space right now. Yeah. And it's just going to be 12 times more powerful than Hubble. But it's like, but when does it end? Right. You know, like when they built Hubble and they th and they shot that thing into space, like that thing is heading toward those galaxies and it's obsolete as yeah. a telescope. So you're going to spend $1.4 billion, build this telescope, and by the time the last brick is laid or whatever they used to build that thing, then they're going to say, no, it's obsolete yep. already. The technology. Had, you have the 30 meter. Now it's time for the 40 meter. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, you know, it's more land that they're going to take and desecrate. Yeah. And from when the beginning, when all of this happened, and they say there's already 13 telescopes up there and, and 13 times they got it wrong every single time. Yeah. And there's going to be 14 and 15 and 16. And they keep taking new land, you know. And they say, oh, we're going to decommission these telescopes. They have not taken down a single telescope up there. Yeah. And Five of them are currently sitting, not just not just, not just not used, but right. actively falling apart, right? Right. Like, They're just yeah. rusting and falling there like, like, like a junkyard. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a total, it's an astronomy junkyard up there. 
they've just broken all their promises. Yeah? There's just a lot of junk up there. So initially when this, when they broke ground in 2014, we, I was telling my student whose father is a astronomer up at, I think he's up at Keck. And she asked me like, you know, why not build a telescope up there? And I, I said, they want to desecrate new land. You know, why don't they decommission all these telescopes, you know, take them down and build on places that they've already desecrated? Like, why the need? Like, they have graders, they have the machinery. Why not just remove the junk, <laughs> the derelict telescopes, and build in places that they've already desecrated? That was my question. And then, you know, it came out in the report, oh, they're going to take down these, these other ones. But none of what the governor is saying has addressed... 13 times <laughs> that they've mismanaged yeah. that place and it's a conservation use district you know like it's it's a historic landmark it's it was it's under congressional protection that this area is supposed to be conserved and then you're giving out permits to destroy and to build in a place that's that's culturally and environmentally sensitive so that's another thing that I think is kind of really getting glossed over in this whole conversation is is that they haven't kept any of their promises. They've broken every promise that they've told the Hawaiian people. Um, and they've done it 13 times. That's 13 enough. times and 22 structures yeah. later. Enough is enough. Yeah, we like w they haven't made, kept their word on anything. And they put it into this current plan that when TMT is done, that they're going to take TMT down. Now, I don't know about you, but how are you going to take down... A, a telescope as tall as Aloha Stadium, you slowly, know, like very slowly. And and how long is that going to take? And where is that that Opala going to go? Because yeah. again, telescopes is a dirty business. It's not like they're like making it out of some kind of material biodegradable stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like it's fully compostable. Yeah, it's not a yeah. compostable thing. It has to be built to withstand. 100 mile per hour winds, you know? So it's like nobody believes anything that they promise or anything that they say because they haven't kept any of their promises up into this point. So now when the line is drawn in the sand and we say no more, then people are like, whoa, let's, let's just try to move forward with this and keep going. <laughs> it's like, no, there's, you can't move forward when you haven't addressed everything before this. Yeah. Never mind all the, the social political stuff and uh, sovereignty and the occupation of our homeland. Like, never mind all of that. Just can you guys keep your word and your promises? No, you guys haven't. You guys have only it's like the trail of broken treaties. You know, it's like all it's just littered with all these agreements that they haven't kept their word. And all they want is to get up there and start building. So once it's up there, they can say, ah, see, it's up there now. Ah. Job done. And um, I just came back from the Northwest Hawaiian Islands. Um, and here's another thing I didn't think about of why we shouldn't build a telescope. But when we were, when I was out on the Kai, I looked at the constellation we call Manaya Kalani or Kamakau Nui o Maui. And I've never seen it over the open ocean because I've always viewed it from Kaho'olawe, mostly Kaho'olawe. But I saw this red star and it was rising. I was like, what red star is that? Right? Was it Mars? Is it? And I was, it was no, it was Lehuakona. And Lehuakona is the brightest red star in Manaya Kalani. It's called Antares. And the only way I could see that constellation rise, like how it did when the sun was setting 
and you could see in the in the dusk you could see that red star rising in the west the only way i could see that is if i was on the open ocean or if i was on mauna kea you know there's no way i could get that view of that constellation and that star rising out of that horizon line unless i was on the mauna or on kaholawe and when you build something a monstrosity of this size you're not just desecrating land but you're stopping hawaiians from doing their own observations and sciences and like i had said earlier we can't go up there and say can we go look inside your telescope yeah. to go look at antares or lehuakona like the only way that i would be able to study that constellation now um, would be maybe to go to kaho'olawe but i would never have seen that view unless i was on the open ocean now a lot of our navigators when they want to sail they want to study the sky before they go on the voyage. So where are we going to go when all these skylines are destroyed by their scientific explorations? And that'll stop our science from happening. And our science is way more peaceful, less intrusive. And look at all the good that it's done. The worldwide voyage, the idea of sustainability and peace and all those things that we as Hawaiians hold dear, which is all part of Aloha Aina. And they want to point that thing into the sky and look for things, the answers, when they haven't even solved the problems that we face now in this planet, right? If you guys go to Mauna Loa, Mauna Loa is where they measure ozone. Mm -hmm. And that place doesn't even have a flushing toilet. You know, there's just like a hole in the ground. And that place gets no fanfare, no attention, but it's like, that should be the place where people are like attention on like hey the planet is warming yeah. this place will become unlivable at some point in time there will be mass extinctions the ice is melting we live on an island and here we are um, building this monstrosity to look out and find an answer out there when we haven't even solved our own end you know our own end game that's coming you know so that's kind of like my thing is like they're getting their phds and their names on all these things <laughs> asteroid distribution and new galaxies and new planets that possibly we could live on and we're not taking care of our own aina here our own honua our own planet and looking out there is not going to solve problems that were hap that's that are happening now and and the the attention that we need now well said I think like we need to understand that okay well so let's say all that money was reallocated to things that you know could actually work to help more with creating sustainable progress on earth 1.4 billion dollars is not going to solve that <laughs> everyone says that but it's like I don't think one you know is going to really compromise as far as trying to figure out how to save the planet mm -hmm. it's not going to compromise the other it's a, I mean, other than the actual land that it's taking up, that is the biggest, you know, um, Aina desecration that's going to take place. But I'm kind of tired of hearing that. I know, because you don't know what to do with $1.4 billion. I know exactly what to do with $1.4 billion. No, I was just saying that that $1.4 billion is not coming to us for our, like, indigenous practices. It would not come to us anyway, right? That's, I mean, it, it's exactly the example where... Kumahans gave earlier about the 13 telescopes and how they their rent is a dollar yeah that's it's just ridiculous it's laughable you know i mean one thing they could do is say like the rent that comes in from these outside scientists goes towards um hawaiians in our public school system 
to go towards not just STEM scholarships, but, you know, just helping improve their schools that, that are the majority of our kids are suffering in, the ones that don't get admitted to Kamehameha. We, we're at, to me, I think we're at a tipping point, and George Helm talked about it. It's like, we're going to be, we're going to fail. This generation is going to fail, and we're going to become evolutional dropouts because we have not been able to recognize that the secret to our survival is aloha aina and if we don't start getting into that mindset of aloha aina we're not going to have long you know on this planet but i think people are so for well i don't i don't even think people are so for the telescope but it's it's become like we've kept the kapu aloha and i think they keep trying to steer it toward racism. Yeah. That that it's a racist so argument. What is what is, is Kapolaha? <laughs> well, my this is a big. This is I know this is a, the weighty a weighty question. Yeah, the the weighty question. My understanding of Kapolaha is a couple is a restriction, right? So when you have a restriction on something, it's like don't fish in this area, don't enter this area. Don't don't eat something this type of food for whatever reason. Regulation. It's it's kind of like a regulation, but more tied to our religious practices. The way it's been used in the movement now is that that we are supposed to not react with violence when faced with the racism, when faced with taunts, with faced with guns and pepper spray and dogs. That we respond. Like Martin Luther King would say in a, in a nonviolent, peaceful way, yeah. um, and he learned from Gandhi. And you go back to the Montgomery bus protests, and he he basically said like Gandhi got rid of the British Empire through nonviolence because that's the only way that that a people who are being subjugated under under violence and a police force are able to respond in a way that they're not going to get killed. Mm-hmm. or thrown into jail or or harassed and i think it's a beautiful thing couple aloha that that they're basically they're basically practicing nonviolence, you know like in the ways of gandhi and martin luther king and our queen queen lilio okalani you know she could have like went to war against the marines from that were la- the troops that were landed in 1893 but we she chose to defer to diplomacy through that act, it's the only reason why we still have a chance at sovereignty. If she were to engage, we, you know, it would have been a done deal. Yeah. Treaty of peace would have been signed, and it would have all. The only grasp of sovereignty we still have is because of the way she resisted peacefully. Yeah. So it's through her act of nonviolence that that our claims are still preserved. I mean, all the way up until the apology apology resolution. It's it's not a treaty, but. It's basically an act of Congress saying that we uh, we apologize for the overthrow of your <laughs> our queen. Bad, our bad, our Sorry. bad. But uh, disclaimer, disclaimer doesn't use, actually mean anything. Yeah, yeah, it's not a binding treaty we, between two it's countries. Like we're good now, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. They're internal law, and they they don't act upon other countries uh, with in a binding way like a treaty does. But I'm so happy to be here with my sh- former students, with you, Josh, with your listeners out there to hear us. And to just take pause and listen to what is sacred, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling the people out there that 
you're not getting the whole truth from TMT and from their people. You're not getting the whole truth about the history of these these telescopes that have been up there. And they're framing it in a way where it's like a Hawaiian thing and we're just we're just a bunch of racists and we hate Holly people. Like in the past few days I've seen so much things where they're just turning it into into a racism argument but that's what they're using to justify the emergency proclamation Mm -hmm. is to say that we're violent that's why we have to use force that's why we need the national guard because they can't go up there and just start arresting children and women and kupuna you know that's what they want to do um one thing i wanted to talk about too is when we did our march uh that tiana was helping to organize through waikiki the reason why we are on the sidewalks and not in the streets yeah. like we should have been is because of the emergency proclamation. So our permit to walk in the streets was denied because of the emergency proclamation. Mm. So it's also this emergency proclamation is a check yeah, it's on a our f- it's a, on our first amendment, you know, or their first amendment. So it's kind of like they are inhibiting our message to get out to the masses making us look like it's a small group of people that we are in the minority that the mo- majority of people support like 10,000 people in Waikiki right yeah, yeah 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 and it's just like felt like 10,000 but yeah it was a lot big news this is like Trump uh the inauguration biggest inauguration yeah <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> More I people was just than gonna the say that I think we were disappointed in the beginning that we couldn't walk freely, like through the mm-hmm. street, you know, get full, get the full street permits. But in actuality, what it did by by forcing us to only walk on the sidewalk, that the sheer amount of people that we had extended all the way from the beginning of, um, so beginning of Waikiki, Fort Jerusi, where we started, all the way to Honolulu Zoo, which is at the end of Kalakaua Avenue. We had so many people that the beginning of the line reached the zoo before the last people even left Fort Jerusi. So yeah. we extended the entire... Saturated. Saturated Waikiki. Waikiki. Of yeah. Waikiki. So... While the ukulele festival was happening. Um, but it... Ac- I mean, in a way, it actually made it look like more people, mm-hmm. you know. The, what I was hearing from people is like, we weren't organized, right? Like... We didn't have, we didn't get permits. We didn't like have permission to be in Waikiki. And I was just like, but then I heard later the story was, no. No, we did apply for, they denied. We as in Hui applied for street permits. But yeah, because of the emergency proclamation, they were denied because they said, oh, in case something happens, you know, they need the streets clear. And so the only permit we were able to get was for that congregation at the end mm-hmm. by Honolulu Zoo. But I, I do what I do like about this movement now is that it's like when I saw Skippy Iwane, a video of Skippy Iwane on Koholave, he was talking about Koholave and the struggle. And he said it was everybody's thing. Koholave, it transcended not just you know, the radical Hawaiian, but even the moderate Hawaiian, right? And so now that we're in the struggle for Mauna Kea, like there are people who are joining this movement that were really not even paying attention to anything, what was going on. And like, as an example, my sister, um, her daughter just danced in the Kiki Kiki Hula, Prince Lot Kiki Hula competition. And on top of her Facebook page, 
it says we are Monica and she has a picture of her dancing um, and my sister has been posting and reading a lot of stuff and she's getting educated and my niece's soccer team went to play in a big tournament uh, in California and they all had Hawaiian flags and they won the championship uh, for the their keiki division up in their soccer tournament so it's it's like it's on everybody's lips it's 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 everywhere and that's how we stop the machine from moving forward is that we continue to to hold strong in kupa'a and get more people who are maybe out on the on the fence or they're not they're still not convinced um and when we released our statement ksfa there were teachers that were like hey we shouldn't get involved because this is a few teachers they were saying you know we shouldn't be involved in something that's not related to our union um and in our constitution the student teacher relationship is the most important thing in our constitution in our our union constitution so it basically says that uh, we need to support our students in taking this action of Aloha Aina. So that's why we came out with the statement. But I think we need to get more people um, just doing what they can. You guys, people don't have to be up at Pu Hulu Hulu. They they need to do whatever they can in whatever space that they can. And you'll know when that time comes when those decisions need to be made. Like you'll feel it in your na'au like a. Eh, this is a place where I can support the Mauna. This is a place where I can support mm -hmm. the protectors. You'll feel it, you know, if you think about it. You so know? there's one article out there that kind of debunks the theory of that we are against science. And it's written by uh, Rosie Alegado from the University of Hawaii. Her article is titled, Opponents of the 30-meter telescope fight the process, not science. Um, and then one of her the big quotes in her article is, Western science adheres to kapu as well. We call it ethics. So mm. please, yes. like, if you want to just learn that, you know, just really have it debunked, then there was a great article. And yeah, mahalo, mahalo. Shout out to you, Rosie. Any guys, any last thoughts? Any, anything the three of you would like to share with our listeners? Any, any final thoughts that they should take away from this conversation? I actually want to read a quote that um, Uncle Walter Ritty posted on Facebook. He was asked, so for those who don't know, um, Uncle Walter was, he, he was like monumental in the Protect Olave movement, okay? Oh, so he was asked, how does it feel to be part of something like this after all that you've already been through and how does it compare? He said, this has been the greatest protest I have ever been involved in. This has blossomed from stopping the TMT on Mauna Kea to uniting the Hawaiian people to uniting Pacific nations. It has gone from a big island issue to a statewide issue to a national issue to a worldwide issue. In less than a week, it has grown from a few hundred people to 4,000 people. An empty lava field has been transformed into a mini town, university, and strategic command post. Because I went in the very beginning of yeah. it starting, and just to see how it was when I went compared to, you know, a week a week later, just to see how it's blossomed and grown and gotten organized. And again, the, the attention that this issue has gotten all over the world. Um, I think, I don't know, I think that he's, he's right in that this is way more than just about TMT. It's way more than just about building a telescope. Yeah. 
and that in the ways that you're um Kumahans was saying that Mauna Kea is a is a protector for us what she's doing is also uniting people and bringing people together and she has the ability to repair rifts repair relationships in all different levels in all different ways and i'm re- i'm really excited for max to go tomorrow because i think Kumahans is right in that there are many ways to help and support and do what you can from where you are um, just because we have to, we have to do what's feasible to us. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's not realistic to expect everyone to be able to physically be there. But if you do get the chance to be there and to be in that space, it's not like anything. I can't describe how it is. There's a heaviness that you feel, which is understandable, just because of the severity. You you fully un- grasp the severity of what. It really means and what's happening. You know, the day before the Kupuna got arrested, we had gone through a kind of a drill in um, like this is what this is what will happen when the police do come. So it was exactly like we all saw on that Wednesday where the Kupuna were, you know, where the blockade and the rest of us just sat on the side and we had to we had to know how we had to sit so that no one's emotions would get in the way and you mm. wouldn't react. Right. And that day police did come. It wasn't in the force forces like they did on wednesday but they did come and while we were waiting for them to come in the kupuna started singing and chanting to us and i mean we all we started to join in and they told us to be quiet (laughs) because they 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 told us they're doing this for us Mm. like this this is all that they have left to do this is all they know to do for us so let them have that moment let them take the brunt of this for us it was sad's not the word but i mean it's heartbreaking profound yeah it's it's heartbreaking it was heartbreaking to watch them get arrested on wednesday yeah to see my friend's grandma get arrested you know but at the same time to see the strength that they have Mm -hmm. and just pure commitment to what they what they believe is right and what they want to do for us you can't help but be proud and you can't help but feel strengthened by them you know that was beautiful max you heard that <laughs> did you hear what she said bro anything anything else guys <laughs> any last thoughts um while we're drinking over or just to give you the scene we're yeah. in my tiny if you're, if you're wondering what listeners if you hear every few minutes if you hear a splash yeah that's what that is yeah we're, we're drinking over right now we've got some beef stew cooking on the stove if you're gonna have a kue you gotta make some beef stew it's the beef stew that binds us but again just for everybody who's out there who have who even if you are for tmt like get out there and and let your voice be heard because sometimes you may run into a person who may who may change you from that position like if you're just being silent about it and you're you're like why is this happening why are hawaiians doing this then find someone and and just that's knowledgeable and there are many and talk to them about the issue so that you can so that you can feel better about either way but don't just like point your finger and say they don't want this because they're racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or they hate Hollies or that is nothing further or we hate science. It's nothing further from the truth. That's so far from the truth. And you guys can go to the podcast and 
send emails and if you guys you guys want to learn more then we can we can try to find people that you guys yeah. can talk to you heard um, the man listeners get in touch with us. anything more after this you you have questions you want to learn more you want to meet you want to hear some of these hear some of these folks reach out and we'll make it happen kumuhans tiana max george peely bundles peely bundles oh wait does anybody want to hear the peely bundle story no. No. That'll be a, that'll be for the next episode. Next episode. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Blue Hawaii Podcast. Aloha. Aloha. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.